Hello and welcome to Film Disruptors, Season 1, Episode 11. My name is Alex Stoltz and this is the show which brings you the game changers in film, whether that's in storytelling, finance, sales, production design, or in the case of this week, it's digital distribution, because we're talking to F.A. Chakarol of Mubi. And Mubi, of course, is the independent subscription VOD platform, which has recently celebrated its 10th anniversary, believe it or not. And I caught up with F.A. recently at his Soho office, where we talked about his career, his journey to entrepreneurship, which includes, by the way, his time as a member of the Turkish national mathematics team, which is obviously extremely cool. And we also talk about all of the hot topics in the industry at the moment, premium VOD, theatrical windows, digital distribution, and how Mubi positions itself against the giants of Netflix and Amazon. We also talk about China being such a huge market for film. Mubi were very proactive in that market, announced a big deal with a Chinese partner, which then subsequently fell through. And FA talks about how the company have responded to that setback and why it happened. And we learn a lot about the Chinese market through that conversation and also the robustness of FA as an entrepreneur. If you're enjoying the show, may I suggest a couple of ways to stay in touch. Firstly, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just search Film Disruptors on iTunes and click subscribe and you'll get all the latest episodes as soon as they drop. Secondly, you can join our email newsletter. Join hundreds of other film professionals receiving this every week. Just go to alexstoltz.com and click sign up. So that just leads me to say thank you for listening. And now I'm going to hand you over to F.A. Chakarol. And I started today's show by congratulating F.A. on the 10-year anniversary. <laughs> yes, it, it, it's, uh, it's amazing. We started a movie more than 10 years ago, February of 2007. Wow, uh, and it's been a very, very interesting journey. It was it was early uh, in 2007. There was no iPhone, no iPad. Um, the smart TVs were about to be introduced uh, 11 months later at CES. Uh, so yes, it was early days, but there was already YouTube, right? And um, uh, that's been around for about two, three years, and you could see how consumer experience was already shifting. We were already watching long format video on, uh, on YouTube uh, TVs, mostly pirated, uh, back in 2007. So yes, interesting right. times. Wow. So much I'd like to talk about. And that obviously it's obviously been a journey from 2007. And it'd be great to understand where you are now and where you see the next steps in the in the evolution of the service. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'd, I'd love to first to just talk a little bit about you if that was okay if i just do i'd really like to i'm really interested in your career journey or your journey into entrepreneurship and starting and and into the film industry because uh mm. because my understanding is before movie you weren't in film is that is that right yes no i'm uh, uh 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not from the film industry. <laughs> yeah, well, you are now. <laughs> I think ten, ten years is okay to to say. But but so originally, I mean, am I right in, in saying that? And now I'm sorry. This is I'm just fascinated by this. That you you were originally you were once on the uh, the Turkish national maths team. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's actually I think the beginning of uh, my my journey. So I grew up on the. Uh, Mediterranean coast of uh, Turkey on the west in a small city uh, and uh, you know lovely childhood just pick up tomatoes in the morning and you know eat them run around on the beach I didn't even learn how to read or write before eight years old um, and um, and I was good at math and you know people you know people noticed that at an earlier stage and uh, and I ended up being in the national uh, math team of uh, Turkey, and I, um, uh, and it was really there that I started to get a lot of confidence in uh, really being more ambitious uh, in, in what I can really achieve in life. Uh, and I uh, went to MIT after that, so that was that was really wonderful because I, um, you know, I, I participated in the math Olympiads, and uh, and MIT gave me a scholarship. Um, and it was there in 94 when I started MIT. It was, you know, September of 94 is also when the, the Netscape browser was was launched and announced. And I found myself in the middle of this new thing called the internet. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I went there to study electrical engineering and I also then double majored in computer science. Uh, and, uh, and that's the beginnings of, you know, me, me really you know, really studying and understanding uh, internet and uh, and computers. Then from there you yeah. So I mean, basically, like like every engineer uh, who don't know what to do with uh, his life, I uh, joined Goldman Sachs, <laughs> uh, and and that was also really wonderful because look, whatever you do in life, your company is going to make some financial decisions, right? It's going to raise capital, it's going to issue debt, it's going to buy another company, it's going to go public, it's going to sell. Um, so it was really good uh, and important for me to spend the years that I did at Goldman uh, being on that side of the business, which helped me tremendously uh, in achieving, you know, what, what the movie became. Because without, you know, without capital, without access to capital, uh, and without structuring these type of deals, it's a very capital-intensive industry uh, that I participate in. Um, so that was that, that was wonderful. But again, after you know four years at at Goldman, and I um, wanted to really try something different. Um, you know, because Goldman, you know, there are three things you can do in business, right? You're either an advisor. You are an investor or you are an operator manager. So advisory is what I was doing at Goldman. And I and I thought that in your 20s, you should really sort of experiment with these three fields uh, in business and see what you, you know, where, where you think you fit in better. And in your 30s, really get a lot of experience in doing that. And in your 40s is really when you can create a lot of value. So it was a very sort of, uh, philosophical, systematic approach to how I want to develop myself, um, and uh, and I decided to go to business school, right? Because it's always a good sort of natural step 
in taking a step back, thinking what you want to do with your life, meet a lot of really interesting people, get exposed to a lot of different ideas, and uh, and then and then do that next thing. Uh, so yeah, I went to I went to Stanford after after Goldman, and my God, that was incredible too. So being in Silicon Valley in the early two thousands. Um, it was, it's such an exciting place. It seems like if you have a good idea and if you have the ambition, anything is possible. The whole ecosystem is there for you to, uh, put together your vision, uh, and, uh, and raise the capital and start, start executing. Uh, and so after Stanford, um, my journey is that uh, two years into into my my life there in Silicon Valley, I had this idea of showing movies on internet, <laughs> uh, and I started moving. Huh. Well, that's a fascinating journey. I recently talked to Stefan Patino, uh, founder of Slated, on the show. Yeah, and- I know. I know him. He's a yeah. he's a really cool guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm really interested by these, uh, you know, people like yourself who have come in from outside the film industry, but brought in tech thinking and and uh, disciplined business thinking, which is uh, sometimes not always and, not always there yeah, in the film and, industry. And and, and passion, right, uh, yeah, which which is really yeah obvious and apparent with what we do at movies. So I love movies, right? So I'm, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing in life. Like I know how to build this stuff. Uh, and the underlying thing I'm working on is a form of art that I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you, you know, you can, you can build a platform to do anything. Delivering food as quickly from uh, point A to B you know that kind of stuff doesn't excite me. You know, it's uh, you know you can do that. You can do you can be really good at it. You can optimize uh, around it, acquire customers, and so on and so forth. But it's just the underlying thing is really important for me. And cinema is just beautiful. Uh, but yes, when I started this, like I had no idea about how this business works. I never, you know, I never met a single person from the film industry. I never been to uh, an actual market. Uh, uh, in, a, in a festival in my life, uh, I, I just had this passion. I wanted to build uh, a, a platform uh, where people can watch the kind of films that I like, which didn't exist. And so you moved from advisor to operator. Yes, and, um, and I think that's it. Like I, I found my thing. I don't need to try investing. Okay. Uh, 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 and I think you know I I might actually make uh, uh, not a great investor knowing my personality. Okay. I, I'm realizing over time I'm I'm such an optimist. You know I see I see a wall, uh, and then immediately I'm thinking, what is behind this door? How can I break this? How can I break this wall and just just jump over on top and just get to get to the next stage. Whereas an investor looks at that wall and starts thinking, how thick is this wall? <laughs> like <laughs> how difficult it would be to break this wall. Like, uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a different mindset. Yeah. Um, an entrepreneur uh, needs to, needs to really be cautiously optimistic. <laughs> listening to Film Disruptors and I'm in conversation with F.A. Chuck Carroll of Mubi. 
If you're enjoying this show, may I suggest subscribing on iTunes. Just search Film Disruptors on iTunes and click subscribe to ensure you get all the latest episodes as soon as they drop. And in this upcoming section, FA talks about the origins of MUBI and how and why their model is so different from the likes of Netflix and Amazon. Yeah, so look, BOD exists since 2001, right? Uh, and uh, just building a, a site with a player and a play button is not the complicated thing. Uh, what uh, what Mubi is, uh, is, is, is more than a VOD platform. It's a destination for great cinema, for you to discover, share, discuss, and watch the best films. Uh, and really, this didn't exist. This still doesn't exist to a, to a large extent, uh, where everybody is focused on as much volume as possible and you know trying to satisfy everyone trying to uh, uh, have content that appeals to uh, a mainstream majority of the households so that's the world that we live in whereas you know i want to discover that you know wonderful film that everybody's talking about in Cannes. And that's, you know, that's the, the, the really great cinema is what I wanted to bring to audiences globally. Uh, so the, yes, the world needed this. And that's why, uh, you know, we wanted to, and we are building movie. But the starting point was again, you know, the world needed this and I needed this. Mm. I am building something that I need. And as a result, Mubi has a personality, right? Because <laughs> I know exactly what I need. Uh, and as a result, I and then I consents to the rest of the team, we know what we what we want and we are opinionated about what we are building. Uh, and, and that's why we also have the confidence over time uh, to, 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 to come up with this model. And this is the model that is really, really working, uh, is to say, okay, we'll just give you one, only one film a day. That's movie's model, right? We just give you one film a day. And each film stays for 30 days. So that means there's always 30 films that you can choose from. And, and we ended up being more of a curator uh, and choosing the best films for you rather than an aggregator of, uh, of, uh, you know, of premium content, right? Yeah. So, so that's the, you know, that, that's the crux of it, that the, it's subjective, it's opinionated because, you know, we, we, we think the world needs it. We know that we need it. Uh, and, uh, and we are building something that we really enjoy. Mm. Well, I think that's that passion uh, really shines through. Uh, and it's such, as you say, it's such a different approach, isn't it, to the Netflix is of the world um, where it is, I guess with I guess with Netflix, there's a lot of emphasis on personalizing, or or rather um, the, the algorithms. The algorithms, exactly, <laughs> to make choosing the content based on what they think people will want. And and is how how do you bring in sort of data and user expectations into your decisions, or or, or do you? Is it or is it very much you know you yeah. think this is great? So look. The, I don't know what your Netflix experience is like, but 
for me, it's not working. Um, the you know, I'm being recommended films where I go, are you serious? Mm-hmm. You, like, and mm-hmm. there is a lot of commercial considerations in what is being pushed to me. Uh, and it's just, it's just not working well for me. I spent half an hour trying to find a film that I want to watch, even though they have thousands of films. Um, so, you know, the, the films turns out, uh, it's, it's a very complicated, uh, thing for 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 you to like uh, and for you to for me to know that you would like because just going on with metadata and what other people are watching um, is is not ideal is not effective I'll give you one example let's say that I identified and you know each film has a metadata it's not just like the cast uh, you know country language all that stuff is simple but you go really deeper into, okay, this is a film from uh, Eastern Europe. With a, it's a love story, but with murder in it, right? Mm. Okay. So, but I can, but the problem is I can give you two films from the 80s from Eastern Europe, which is a love story with a murder in it. One of them you would love, the other one you would absolutely hate, right? That's the problem. Mm. Uh, and... Um, and as a result, you need the human touch. You need the you need someone to watch both of those films and say, "This is the film." You know, if you're really into Eastern European love films about murder with a murder in it, this is the film that you really need to watch. Which is what movie is doing, yeah. right? And it's, it's especially important with film because film is a big investment of your life. So as a result, you don't watch many movies. Even people who love movies, they don't watch more than two movies a week, right? And these are people who are, like, passionate about film. Uh, and the only way that people actually watch movies is either you are heavily marketed and advertised, so you see Fast and Furious 8 everywhere, and then you go, you watch the film, or someone who knows you really well says, you know, Alex, you got to watch this film. It's really amazing, Right? Uh, that's what movie is uh, is becoming. It's becoming that trusted friend that uh, that watches every film and knows a lot about cinema and who who chooses what uh, what you want to watch. So when you come to movie, the film of the day today, you may have never heard it, uh, and you press play and you'll be delighted. It's just amazing. And that's the, you know, that's the promise. That's the value, value proposition. And that's what movie is about. Mm. You mentioned the social, uh, social side of things or trusted friends. Do you, is there a sort of social aspect to the platform, you know, in terms of, I'm, I'm talking social, to, talking social media. Yeah. Do you, is that a, is that an important part of? Very important. Yeah. Very important. Um, because what do you want to do uh, after you watch a really good film? What's the first thing you want to do? <laughs> you want to you want to talk about it. You want to talk about it with someone, or you want to or you want to go see what else people are saying uh, about the, about the film. Uh, so the whole social component and the conversation that happens around the film is a very important uh, component of uh, the movie experience. Right. Um, and, and again, you know, when I, when I go to a film, 
it's not the necessarily the IMDb rating of that film that makes me want to watch that film because you know who cares about uh, the aggregate star rating of hundreds of thousands of people. 90% of them is not like me. Uh, it is much more important for me to see the reviews of people that I'm following on movie that I trust and what they think, right? And uh, and that makes me want to watch the film. So it, it has been a, it has been really important for us to get that part of uh, the movie experience right. So so movie then also as a result. You go to movie and it's not just the films that we are showing those 30 films you can search for and interact with any film there's 150,000 films on our on our database painstakingly created by uh, by us uh, which you can you know watch the trailer become a fan of rate discuss share so all that data uh, gives us statistically significant uh, uh, data to suggest what kind of films people would like to watch where, okay. which is actually guiding a lot of our acquisition and, and programming decisions as well. Mm. So when you look at uh, a place like Germany, you're realizing that you know Germans watch very different films than the Dutch, and the Dutch watch completely different films than the Mexicans, uh, and and you you really need to mine you know a lot of that data. Uh, to understand the kind of films that people would like to watch, which again guides your acquisition decisions. But then the real magic happens is when uh, the head of programming in that particular country then chooses uh, the film of the day and contextualizes it. Uh, and, and that's when the experience is just really phenomenal. Mm. So you're, you're heavily informed by the data, but not led by it. Yeah, the yeah the data is, is really important for us to to to, to understand to mine, uh, but in the end, there is a person behind the movie in a, any country that decides the film of the day. Yeah. How many countries are you in now? So we are we are everywhere, uh, but in uh, our core countries UK, US, Germany, France and Mexico yeah. you have someone who's responsible for each of these countries so the buck stops with them um, and they are the curators and then the rest of the world you know we we have program programmers who just decide in number of countries together what films should be should be shot so we don't have actually anyone who's just looking at vietnam mm. uh but you know we have someone who's looking at you know sort of southeast asia mm. uh and, and we program it but but the vision is of course over time you know you want someone in each of these countries because you go to vietnam and they watch completely different films than the ties <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah uh and can i ask you about china uh, because I I know you know that you had a well there, you were in the news last year there was a big <laughs> deal announced and, yeah. uh, and I subsequently I, I'm sorry I, I, I imagine it was probably quite quite a painful subject but um, if you were if you were okay to talk about it um, absolutely I'd love to hear you know yeah your perspective on that now. No, no, no absolutely and look you know we are we are learning we are growing. And we bet big on China because it's a massive opportunity uh, if you get it right. Uh, and I don't, you know, I have, I have 
I have learned a lot and I'm moving forward. So with China, what happened was, you know, we got together with a very prominent uh, producer uh, there. And uh, the idea is to, was to establish and launch movie in China in partnership. Um, so I bring the technology and the platform and the know-how of operating this business. Uh, and he brings uh, the, 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 the knowledge the, of his cinema and the understanding of what the audiences want to watch in China uh, and uh, local knowledge and access to capital. Um, and, um, and yeah, we got together, we signed a definitive agreement. We started executing, had an office in Beijing, started hiring, um, and we were really executing that. And, you know, but the, the, the opportunity was massive. We were going to be there before Netflix, before anyone uh, with this proposition. Um, but, you know, it became very difficult to, to, to execute this in China. Uh, China is a very difficult country uh, if you're in the media business uh, and if you're a... If, if there is any foreign influence on media distribution, it's scrutinized really significantly. Mm. And while we were trying, while we we're closing up the transaction that we announced, uh, China first closed iTunes in mm. China. This was back in March last year. Imagine iTunes gone. Mm. Uh, and ten days later, they uh, closed uh, Alibaba as a joint venture with Disney. So Disney Life closed in China. And they said categorically, no foreign ownership of media distribution assets in our country, which which made it very difficult for us to uh, to, to execute. But in the end, uh, the, the story is wonderful because the, our partner um, uh, came to us and said, look, even though we didn't do this in, the, in China, we still want to invest in you. Uh, and uh, he invested in Mubi. Uh, we closed that in December, just a couple of months ago. Uh, and uh, and we also look at the, the Chinese content, really exciting content that is relevant also outside of China, mm. uh, increasingly, not just for the in increasingly uh, uh, you know powerful and big Chinese diaspora, uh, but. Also, you know, the worldwide global audiences, China is producing and will continue to produce some wonderful films that we want to have access to and show it outside of China. Uh, so, yes, my, my China journey in a way continues, but outside of China. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pleased. Uh, there's been a lot of, lot of good which came out of that. How much is Mubi a technology company mm. in terms of your costs and operations? Yeah. Look, you know, we this is this is really interesting because you need to get both the product and the content right. If content just by itself, also without the good product, is not is not going to happen. That's why the studios have been trying to create their own VOD platform and not being able to do so, <laughs> even though they have all the content. Yeah. Um, and then you've seen a lot of really good content guys who didn't get sorry uh, product guys you know, like Juice, who didn't get content, and they also couldn't couldn't scale and survive. So you need to get both right. Mm. So we are as as much a product company as we are a cinema company. And that DNA uh, is very important. I mean, I am more of the product guy in the team. Uh, so, you know, I'm the engineer in the team, and, uh, you know, we have, an, you know, a very sharp engineering team. I mean, all those guys are much smarter than I am. 
<laughs> very capable. Uh, and then we also have, you know, one of the most knowledgeable, interesting uh, uh, group of programming editorial acquisition team uh, in the business. So the, the team is small, you know, it's 50 of us uh, globally, uh, and it's roughly a third of them on uh, product engineering, about a third in content, uh, and about a third in marketing. Marketing is probably not the best way to describe them, um, but they are uh, they are really evangelizing the movie brand. You know, they are the guys who do all the partnerships with the festivals like Cannes, New York Film Festival, um, and the, the cinemas. They are they are really working on all our communication channels, uh, evangelizing uh, our community. So it's you know those and then you know those guys are also really really important because you know you might have amazing content, amazing product, and no one knows about you. That's also not good. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Film Disruptors, and I'm in conversation with F.A. Chakarel of Mubi. If you're enjoying the show, you can follow on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is at AlexStoltz1. In this final section with F.A., we talk about acquisitions, theatrical windows, premium VOD, and F.A. first tells us about how Cannes has changed them as a company over the last decade. And what we do in, in Cannes changed significantly over the past decade. I mean, I was there 10 years ago in the 60th year anniversary. And, and I was there again this year in the 70th year anniversary, right? So it's really, really exciting. And 10 years ago, even five years ago, I was there primarily to meet the distributor uh, from all over the world who are there to buy movies. Um, and do deals with them to be able to show their library titles uh, on movie, you know, license them on movie, and also, you know, watch the films in Cannes to, to see, you know, what we could be programming uh, a, a few years down the line. Today, we are there buying movies, which is really exciting because it's now, because our, you know, the consumer experience shifted so dramatically to consuming uh, content on, uh, you know, over the top, that you see Netflix, Amazon, and Mubi in Cannes competing with the traditional distributors like the studio canals of this world to buy the films in competition, all rights in a country, and release them. So we would also be releasing these films in theatrically and across all uh, all channels. Right. So, so yes, it was really exciting. Can we, you know, picked up? We announced uh, the acquisition of uh, Garel's film uh, "Lover for a Day" uh, in both UK and US, and we are going to release that film uh, in theaters. Um, uh, you know, at some point, you know, over the next twelve months. So it's really, really exciting. Mm. Well, that's very exciting. Is that a is that a departure or? or or, or an evolution of your of your strategy, in the sense. I mean, will will Lover for a day uh, go on to the movie uh, service in in the same way as as everything else, or, or will you give it more profile, longer? No, thirty days. Thirty days. <laughs> thirty days, yeah. and then and then you know I'll give it to Netflix or yeah. or whoever or whoever yeah. else wants to yeah. who wants to have it. Yeah. So. 
the but the, the, the key thing here, the evolution of our strategy, uh, the, and the reason behind it is that this is the only way that, where you can show a film in an earlier window and exclusively on your platform. Mm. Okay, and that's where the engagement is. Mm. So, you know, the the Handmaiden. Uh, is a film that we saw in Cannes last year. It was picked up by uh, a traditional distributor here in UK. They just did a theatrical of this film, and this was the buzz of uh, of Cannes, and you know it did really well here, and everybody's talking about it. The moment to show The Handmaiden on movie is today. If you could, if you had that film and you show it on movie today, you, the, the subscriber uptake uh, and uh, and the impact that it would also make on retention would be substantial. Mm. It's sort of like the House of Cards mm. moment for mm. uh, for uh, for Netflix. Mm. But but you know, if you don't own the film, what happens is this traditional distributor after the theatrical then put it up on transactional video on demand, so you can actually rent it on iTunes mm. for the next couple of months. Then it would go on a pay TV window, something like uh, Sky, and it would stay there for about 18 months. So you could show it, and, and during all this time, the subscription video on demand is hold back. So the sooner that anybody can show the film, uh, uh, on their platform would be about two years from today. So even Netflix, with all the money in the world, cannot show these films for two more years, mm. right? And that's not exciting. In two years, there is a lot less excitement about The Handmaiden than there is today. So in order to show uh, the film exclusively on your platform, you can you can do two things. You can either produce it yourself, which is, you know, what Netflix is doing increasingly, particularly with TV series, you know, so that it's exclusively available right away on, uh, on movie, sorry, on Netflix, uh, or you participate in the, the festival circuit and you buy all rights of the film in a particular territory and you control when you show it where. So what we would do with the films that we buy we would show them theatrically. We really do believe in the theatrical window. We feel these films should be seen primarily on the big screen, right? We are, even though we are an online platform, we are actually a cinema platform. So our vision is to champion great cinema. It's not champion great cinema online. <laughs> um, and we and we want these films to be on the big screen. And we see that is also an important component of the, the exposure of, uh, of this film. Then, though, after the theatrical window, it will be exclusively available on movie for 30 days, mm-hmm. right? Before it goes on to travel to, you know, everywhere, transactional DVD, uh, pay TV, free TV, subscription video on demand, Netflix, anywhere. So that, that, so that really answers my, my next question was, you know, what's your perspective on Windows and premium VOD? You, you're very clear, you know, the theatrical window is is good. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you don't think you're, you, you're not of the opinion your customers really want to, you know, want to have that choice. I can watch your movie or I can go to the cinema. No, no. I, look, you know, I... Um, I will do a, I will do a theatrical, and I will try to show these films as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, currently we managed to convince the exhibitors here 
to, to you know, for the films that we own to go from 90-day window to a four-week window. Right, okay. Right? And we do want those windows to, to continue to close because, you know, I want to give the choice to an audience. But, but my philosophy is to really make a big push in the theatrical and also uh, communicate the theatrical release of the film to my audience. And what we are doing is we are not replacing cinema. We are complementing it. We are making it more convenient and accessible. So when I show Garel's new film that we bought in Cannes, Lover for a Day, in London, that film, you know, is you know, it's going to be in say Curzons and Picture Houses, some wonderful cinemas here in London, and it will be out for a couple of weeks. So if you are lucky to live in London, and to be in London during those couple of weeks and manage to get to a cinema, you are very lucky. Mm. And we'd love you to do that. But if you are a, you know, a, a school teacher living in Kent, uh, movie can be the only way that you can actually experience this wonderful film. And that's what we are, we are doing. We are bringing this great cinema to, uh, to everywhere. But the main difference between us and some of the other bigger platforms is that they really do not care about the theatrical. They want th- those films to be exclusively available on their platform as soon as possible, whereas we really value the theatrical experience of, uh, of these films. Mm. It seems to me that there's a, uh, there's a real partnership potential with, with cinemas, which I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you, you know, you're exploring. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. Well, Eve, thank you so much. Just to wrap up, you know, what are your, what are the big opportunities and challenges for movie right now? What, what, what's your, what's your big focus for the next yeah. couple of years? Our big focus is to, to, to continue, uh, be continue to be able to acquire the best films uh, and uh, and really build a model where we release uh, the best films in our core territories, right? And some of those films are going to be uh, bought when we see them, but some of those are going to be pre-bought based on, you know, our, based on our knowledge of uh, the film and how comfortable we are with the script and the people who are putting it together. Um, so, so that part of the business where, you know, we do invest in the new films uh, is uh, the most exciting mm. uh, challenge for, uh, for movie in coming years. Mm. Well, that sounds very exciting. And uh, mm. I think a lot of people in the industry will be excited to have those conversations. Uh, FA, we, I found, uh, we, 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 we know where um, to find Mubi now, but uh, how, do, how do people find you? Are you, are you social? Are you on Twitter or? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. So my, my last name is Chakarel. It's uh, C-A-K-A-R-E-L. And that's also my, uh, both my Twitter and Instagram handle. Okay. And those are the, those are the two platforms that I, uh, that I like using. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Great. Uh, well, uh, thank you very much for your time, FA, and uh, yeah, very best of luck with the next 10 years. Pleasure uh, talking to you, Alex. Thank you. If you'd like to find out more, check out the home of Film Disruptors, alexstoltz.com. That's S T. 
OLZ, where you can download today's show notes, sign up for updates, and get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and look forward to seeing you again soon. <laughs>